The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. A Song of Ascents Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jair. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath, from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints with shouts for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him... His crown will shine. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. We are just a few weeks away from arrival. Arriving at the end of the Psalms of Ascent. We've got two more after this. We have walked with the people of Israel through their songbook. Their mixtape, if you're 80s. Their playlist of favorites favorite tunes as they journeyed from far and wide to the elevated city of Jerusalem. The mileage sign on their journey on the interstate says, next exit. They can see at a distance their destination upon the hill. Like when my kids come close to Six Flags, they see the observation tower from miles away and they get squirmy excited. Like when we're driving to St. Louis, our old stomping grounds, and we see the arch at a distance, and we feel this sense of nostalgia. Or when you're heading west to Colorado, and you see the mountain range of the Rockies, and you experience this wonder and awe of what's about to come. As they come upon Jerusalem, it's a similar experience, but better. Better why? Because here, here, the people of God are entering into the place where the presence of God dwells. Like the old rhyme, I don't know if you remember this. This is the house that Jack built. You guys remember that? This is the house that David built. 
This is the hill that sits the city, that had the king, that built the temple, that housed the room, that held the ark, that was the place where God was near. This is the house that David built. The people of God are coming upon the city of God with such great expectation. They're coming upon the spiritual Six Flags, spiritual St. Louis, the spiritual Rocky Mountains with such expectation. But as my friend Lisa says, expectations, what do they lead to? Disappointment. You see, the context of Psalm 132 was that it was probably composed later in Israel's history. The psalm was most likely written at the time when the people of God were returning to the city of God after years and years of exile. After decades of being away from the city, cast out because of their king and the people's disobedience. The city, Jerusalem, had been conquered and demolished by enemies. And exile was the consequence of the people of God's disobedience, their disregard for justice, their mercy, humility. It led them to be exiled to a long parent's time out. You're out. And as they came upon the city with expectations of great things, what did they see? The city walls crumbled down. The king's palace condemned. The temple a ruin. The holy of holies desecrated. The ark of God, it will never be seen again. The presence of God, where? Where is he? Friends, I love that we have Psalm 132 on this mixtape or on this playlist because it is realistic. It confronts us when we have these best laid plans and expectations that seem to be derailed or defunct. Imagine, friends, singing the words of verse 7 and 8. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. And then seeing this city. How many of us have this best expectation of what God will do when we begin to follow him? And then we're surprised when what we imagine is laying in a pile of rubble. It was nothing like this. Maybe you had the best plans to be a missionary out on the spiritual frontier, seeing God lead thousands to repentance. And here you sit in Green Bay, Wisconsin, seeing no one interested in Christ. Maybe you had the best plans to be a super spiritual parent who would raise your kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And now you're so overwhelmed and so exhausted that you just hand them an iPad for just one hour of sanity. Maybe you had a degree in social work to give hope to the hopeless and you're now the one despairing. Maybe you're a firefighter who had this promise of rescuing kids and cats from peril, right? And instead, now you're responding to the fifth call today from the drunk who has soiled himself again on the streets. Or 
You're the one homeless. You're the one alcoholic. You're the one widowed. You're the one jobless. And you're remembering someone saying to you way, way, way back, you're going to do some great things. Psalm 132 is a psalm that we sing to the rubble. We sing this song to the rubble. It is a remembrance song. Remember is the first word of the psalm. And remember in the Bible doesn't just have to do with memory. Remember when directed to God is a word that is asking God to make good on his promises. It's the child who says to the parent, remember when you said we could go to Culver's tonight? It's a call to response. And in Psalm 132, this is a call to response, to take David's best laid plans, which now lay in shambles, and for the Lord to make better this best plan. It's a call for the Lord. Because what God says, he does. And because what God says, he does, we must call upon him to make better what we think was best. This psalm is divided into two parts. The first part, verses 1 to 10, is David's best made plan. And the second part, verses 11 to 18, is David's best made plan, which the Lord makes better. We'll begin in the first half with David's best made plan. And what we need to remember in this first half is this. Our best will never give us rest. Our best will never give us rest. The passage begins with the psalmist asking the Lord to remember David's enthusiasm, to remember David's zeal. David was the king who was a man after God's own heart. David went through all kinds of hardships in becoming the king. He had enemy armies after him. He had a jealous predecessor king before him. He had years of being targeted with attempts on his life. But when his kingship is finally realized, what is the first thing David does? He brings the ark to Jerusalem. The ark, which was a tangible, visible reminder of God's presence. Arks in the ancient Near East were part of a culture's way to communicate rule and authority. What did the ark serve as? First, it did serve as a footstool to the king. The king would put his feet on that ark. The ark was also a storehouse of important documents within that box. Important documents and laws. And the ark was also something then brought into battle to represent the king in that battle in his presence. For the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant was the vessel which contained important documents for the king. It held the Ten Commandments and reminded the people also of the deliverance that God gave them. It held Aaron's staff. It held manna that was in the wilderness. It was a reminder of God's faithful presence. And it was also overlaid with gold and placed within the throne room of the temple, the Holy of Holies. David's best laid plan, his vow to God was, we've got to make a home for this ark. To build a temple surrounding it, a palace for the true king. That kept David up day and night. It made him squirmy and restless until that happened. And the way he began his plan, his best plan, was to bring the ark from a place where it was. What you see in verse 6. Ephrathah and the fields of Jair. 
That's where the ark was found and brought it back to Jerusalem. And to rest the ark there in Jerusalem was a sign of God's power established here. But remember, friends, the psalmist, as they're writing this and singing this, now sit in ruins of the temple, wondering, remember that temple that was built? Remember how hard David worked to make sure you had a home to dwell, to have priests Manning your temple to have saints worshiping loudly in joy. Remember that. Make good on this hard work. As verse 10 summarizes, don't turn away your face, Lord, from your anointed one. Don't turn away from David's best laid plan for you to have a home. All saints, we have been a church that has struggled with finding a resting place for the past year and a half, right? A home for worship, a place to be faithfully present. And as one of the leaders in this church, I have a lot of best plans for where we should be. I've called a lot of people. I've been to a lot of places. I've prayed a lot of prayers. I've woken up a lot of nights saying, Father, give us a place where we can dwell faithfully to worship you. A place where your saints can sing songs of joy. And guess what, friends? My best laid plans of a building with beautiful stained glass and traditional walls has not been the best plan. During quarantine, God gave us such a better plan. Technology to be together for three or four weeks. I don't even remember how long that was. It felt very long. Then a yard and a tree house in which God's praise echoed off the roofs of a neighborhood. And then an empty wedding hall, two flights up, that was filled with God's praises and promises overlooking this fine city we live in. And now, a bar <laughs> where we can eat and drink the goodness of Jesus' body and blood. I was walking in the basement as I had my robe on, walking through the brewery in this robe going, what have you done? Look at where we are. This is so bizarre. I made a video, recorded a video last week announcing another transition to be here. And a friend texted me and noticed on the video, she said, you look down. And initially I thought, well, I looked down on the video like my eyes were down. I, I probably did a couple times. But then I realized, no, she was saying, you looked kind of down, kind of sad. And she's intuitive because little did she know that I had a first take of that video as I sat up in the treehouse at the end talking about God's faithfulness to us. And I was looking out at the yard, remembering what the Lord has done for us, remembering how much better the Lord's plans had been for us than what we thought best. And I just started to weep <laughs> with restlessness and with gratitude. And y'all didn't need to see that first take because it was ugly. 
But you knew you do need to know that God reminded me and reminded the psalmist and is reminding us that his best plan doesn't leave him resting in a temple made by human hands. God rests in a temple made by his own hands. God's ark, his presence, his rule, his footstool rests not in a place. His presence rests in his people. Better than David's physical plan for a temple. We have the mighty one of Jacob resting within this temple. The closest the Lord could ever be to his people. Right here. No more pilgrimage to Jerusalem. By the power of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the Spirit of God, the Ark of God, the presence of God lives within each one of His faithful people. What does that mean for us? It means we don't have to work hard to get the Lord to be near to us. We can believe that. We've got to pray harder. I've got to study harder. I've got to learn more. I've got to sin less so that I can be closer to God. No! God rests within those who rest not in their plans, but in Christ, his better plan. So as we pray hard and study hard and learn hard and repent hard, we do that not to bring God close. We do that because God is already near us and the closest he can be to us. This means, friends, taking your best laid plans, whatever they are today, Whatever your best laid plans are today and saying to the God who rests within you. Make it even better, make it even better. This may mean that he might need to tear some other temples down. He may need to tear down some other idols in your heart and it may be painful but it makes so much more room for him to do his spirit's work. It may mean you giving up control of the outcome. Giving up comfort and accepting more mess around you. Ask him to make better your best made plans. Because our best will never give us rest ever. Second half of the psalm. Verses 11 to 18. Christ is the better rest. So where he is will always be best. What does better rest in Christ look like in verses 11 to 18 as we see God's response to David's best laid plans? Let's just unpack it real quickly with each verse. Looking at verse 11. The Lord gives David a sure oath, a covenant promise, a guarantee. He says in essence, David, your best was a house. I'm going to give you better. I'm going to give you a household. From your body will come a king. And that king will sit enthroned. Those who put their trust in that king will reign with him alone, is what he says. David's best plan for God to have a place. God's better plan is to have a place that he can share with his people forever. Look at verses 13 to 14. I've chosen Zion, a place better than this man-made place, Jerusalem, to dwell. Because it's a place that will not get toppled or ruined. It's a place that will last forever. 
And in that place, verses 15 to 18 says, remember all of David's best plans and reveal how this place, Zion, will be so much better. Look at some of the things to describe this place. Food, bread that will feed the poor. It rings, rings of the Beatitudes, doesn't it? Food that will feed the poor. Well, I I hear these words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be comforted. Also, he promises priests that will be clothed with salvation, singing shouts of joy. How are we clothed with salvation? We're clothed with Christ's righteousness, with these robes of white. The perfection of Christ clothes us. Think about this. Undeserving poor people are given the best feast and the best clothing to wear. What a reason to sing, right? I'll give you a horn to sprout for David, a horn which is a symbol of power as Jesus, like a trumpet on his first day of ministry, says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is right in front of you. I'll give you a lamp for my anointed one and his people as Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never be in darkness, but have the light of life. And it doesn't end there. David's plan was a place for worship. The Lord's plan included a place for worship, but it also included complete victory over our enemies. Enemies who tore down the people of God and their city. They're going to be put to shame forever. But onto these poor who find in this king, this son of David, bread and light Look what we get to wear on the last verse. We get to wear his crown. On our heads. On our heads will shine the light and royalty of Christ. All the king's men and all the king's women will be given a crown. That we have no right to wear. The most expensive jewels. The most pristine metals. Being placed on our undeserving heads. Scripture says we won't wear it. We give it back. We say. You did this. This was your plan. What a gift. And scripture promises us that at Christ's feet will be this mountain of crowns worshiping the best laid plan, Jesus Christ himself. A king whose zeal would be doing his father's will and executing the father's best laid plan. This is the king who left his throne, who put on the skin who was without sin, who took on our cross, who paid our cost, who conquered our grave, whose people he saved, who rises again and whose spirits within, who offers us rest, whose plan is what's best. This church is the king. This is the household that the son of David built. Let's pray. Father in heaven, What an amazing plan. So much better 
than what we could ask or imagine. Your son, Jesus. And Father, we are still sitting in our fair share of rubble right now. Lord, our world is in rubble and in ruin. The church is right now pretty weak and pretty weary. Father, your people are tired and even maybe despairing a bit as we see what's going on all around us. And even as we see little interest in your plans. But Father, we have an expectation that will be realized. All of these promises for a future Zion are coming true. It's just a matter of when. And so, Lord, give us the strength and endurance to wait upon you with zeal, to continue to serve you day and night, but also give us the ability to rest in your plan, knowing that it's not up to us. It is only up to you, and you finish every good work that you start. Finish your plan, your best plan, so much better than our plans, and use us in the process. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.